0: वो ऐसे है कि आप इसमें जब बैठे होते हैं तो आप समझेंगे कि सेल्फ बॉस होते हैं आपने ऑर्डर उठाया और ड्यूरिंग आप कस्टमर की तरफ जाते हैं या ऑर्डर लेके पोस्ट लेने यू
1: तो उस आप भी होता है कि आप इजी को no
0: किसी से बात भी कर सकते हैं साथ-साथ ओके okay? hmm. और लर्निंग ऑडियो में जर्मन भी जो कुछ में you can speak to दो someone दो at, at the same time, you can listen to some podcast to learn German, or learn listen to some While you're doing another job, you cannot learn सक सक something ही. else.
2: You're listening to Mohammad Arif Khan, who has worked for Lee since November 2021. He spoke to me in Urdu. So you're also listening to an English translation of the summary of Muhammad Arif's words. That voice is that my friend, the Indian lawyer Ashish Singh. If you have been listening to the Delivery Charge podcast, you know that Lieferando is the brand name used in Germany by the Amsterdam-based Just Eat Takeaway. On the Lieferando mobile app and website, Customers can order dishes from the restaurants that are listed there. There is another Leifrando app that its couriers use. On it, couriers are instructed about the orders they have to deliver. Following these instructions, couriers like Mohamed Arif, wearing Leifrando's bright orange colors, go to the restaurant. In Mohamed Arif's case, he does so in a bright orange car. He waits until the order is ready places the food that the restaurant gives him in an insulated bright orange bag, takes it to his car, and then drives away in it to deliver the food at the customer's location. He is an app or platform-based delivery worker today and has been one since November 2021.
0: In the world, there is a the demand of IT. And job one of the priority jobs Throughout the world, IT specialists are
1: in demand. First My first problem in getting a job in IT in Germany was to do with the German language.
0: Because here the software's windows are in your German. And after that, when do our work, the first help desk, second help desk, and what happens in that, is that you have to give the solution to customers on the phone. At help desk jobs, you have to us provide solutions say, to a uske customer uske on the phone
1: or in their homes. That required fluent German. Bhi ek I really bhi had no problems communicating, but when I was required to provide solutions
0: on the spot, it wasn't easy for me to Samjane translate me me the options. I had worked in IT for
1: 6 years in Qatar and 6 years before that in Pakistan.
0: But now I haven't worked in IT for 5 years. At one workplace in Germany, there was a probation period of 4 months.
1: If it had been 6 months, I may have managed it. But then I needed a proper job and to strengthen my language
3: too.
0: Because of that, I completed my German studies up to B2 level. Directly proper job language को भी ज़्यादा आपने उसको prefer करना उसको और मज़बूत करना था। B two मैंने किया में। मैंने language A one, A two, B one, B two भी किया। अब उसको German एक ज़वान मैंने देखिए, मैंने I know Arabic as well. The difficulties और... with German ये also ये contributed German to my stress. I was alone here and my family आ आ was in Pakistan. With this job, I could be more relaxed. So this language is typical. So on the sport, I am alone over here. My family is in Pakistan. not there would be more time for outings, for books पर and पर जे for listening. I have given myself a target for when I will return to the IT sector. I have to fulfill my responsibility towards my children. In Germany, I could have gone to the university and
1: completed apprenticeships and internships. But my responsibilities stood in the way.
0: Job the terms, so My son is going, going to term. come to Germany you for his higher education in IT. And that that required a block
1: bank hai. account of if eleven thousand five hundred
0: euros and other expenses too. Okay. If that is why I have kaam taken kaam it step rae, by step. morning afternoon flexibility up free
1: My ambition is definitely to study further in IT. न, My degree has already been recognized Deluxe here. But for now, YouTube. I'm taking it भी slow भी because of these responsibilities. Speak. I had to Michi work 35 dena, hours but there was flexibility. The
0: I could arrange my shifts according e, to my needs. If I wanted na, to work in the evenings for a month, I could do it. Na, I could work paisa for four days and
1: be free thi. for three. My other o passion was to make motivational videos on YouTube.
0: most important thing for a man, more thi, important than money, is time. I was getting jobs as a waiter and, does and does as service jobs in the job restaurant industries, so but in those jobs, you
1: cannot listen to anything when so you are at work.
0: On this job, you
1: get money and you get Germany, this time. I have, I have seen I a lot of Germans who do this job do for Liferando on their bicycles only for the exercise. I would ask I them, you, you, are you are German, why are you working for Liferando? And they would tell me I like riding
0: bicycles. तो पैसे भी मिल जाए तो क्या बात तो ये कुछ ये रीजन भी है ओके okay, जो एक तरफ से और दूसरी तरफ से ये भी था कि मुझे कॉन्ट्रैक्ट भी जो है ना वो अनलिमिटेड जल्दी चाहिए था और इसमें मुझे मिल गया तो मैंने उसको कंटिन्यू कर दिया Khan Notion of flexibility
2: in relation to the so called platform economy Platform companies have argued that they provide workers with the ability to work where they want and how they want. It is held up as an alternative to more old-fashioned forms of work that are limited by office spaces and rigid schedules. I am now going to read out a quote from a letter signed by the CEOs of the platform companies Delivery Hero, Deliveroo, Bolt, Uber and Volt. This letter is part of an ongoing debate on a European Union law that will lay down basic standards for platform work across the EU. I quote from the letter. For people offering their services on platforms, flexibility and control have always been the primary attractions. And we have long advocated for rules that provide couriers with the benefits and protections they deserve alongside the independence they want. Unquote. The idea that work on such platforms is actually flexible is a contested one. In April this year, I was present at a Betriebsversammlung, for a workers' assembly of Lieferando's workers. Among all the leafrando couriers gathered there, the significant majority had problems with their work schedules. What was being seen by the platform companies as flexibility was being seen by the workers of Lieferando as a lack of predictability. I spoke about this with Moritz W. You have heard from him on previous episodes of this podcast as well. Moritz is a delivery worker with Lieferando. Often, he is simply known as Mo. He was among those elected to the Works Council for Lieferando in Berlin during the elections in August 2022. Mo's experience of worker complaints about shift planning is not that workers have unpredictable schedules. It is that working time is not actually flexible.
4: So uh, I see workers, you know, like giving a lot, asking for really few, like, hey, give me a break on this weekend. Or I have a um, doctor's appointment there. Or I need to bring my kids to the uh, kindergarten. this is simply like, you know, then again, the algorithm kicks in and says, oh yeah, sorry, our software does not understand parents or bringing Children to the kindergarten. It's not implemented. Um, Or, yeah, no, like being sick or something or needing time off. No, you have to work, you know, every week, uh, uh, your your contractual hours and more. And this, yeah, uh, again, like, you know, you can always do more, but not less. Um, Yeah, so this is, a huge problem that sometimes there is something urgent or there is a pressing issue, there is something private and, you know, an emergency with family and not even this is respected. Um, and this is where I think people break uh, the image bikes of management and frustration and anger builds up. Um, this goes like in these moments to the core and this is what makes the shift planning so nervous. Because maybe you know you can go through then unpleasant situations once for a couple of weeks or months, but at the moments then you say no, I need my life.
2: Listening to Mo on the Delivery Charge Podcast. Mo is a member of the Works Council at Lieferando in Berlin, and I am your host and producer, Aju John. This podcast is about platform delivery workers organizing for fairer conditions of work in Germany where I live and in India where I am from. This is the fifth episode. Previous episodes of this podcast have covered various aspects of the worker-led campaigns to establish works councils or betriebsrats at Gorilla's, Getir, Flink and Lieferando. Lieferando's primary business is that of delivering prepared food from restaurants. It is different from those of the other three, which deliver groceries and other high turnover goods from warehouses located in densely populated neighborhoods. For Mohamed Arif, a job delivering food for Lieferando offered him one of the easier paths
0: to a more secure life in Germany. <laughs> I also quickly needed an
1: unlimited job contract. Free
0: I received it at Le Ferrando. This labor. was
1: important to me because when I wanted to stand independent of the state.
0: That can only happen with an unlimited contract. contract. Once you complete, complete some, some amount of time here
1: on an unlimited job contract, bring you are eligible to bring your family
0: here as well. Now I also have a driving license for passenger transport,
1: hai, so I can drive taxis in, Ubers. Ye, but mh, so in the world. Now that I'm working at I thought I might continue hain. doing so.
0: So, you can use it almost saal ke andar. Anyhow, he must be here. So, this is a target hai. or a little bit of a little bit of a my target no is no to bring bajai. my son here soon, or and to, to complete two years. Next but next year I'll so have to return to IT soon. I will... I think I will have to go back in IT.
2: Mohamed Arif's experience shows us how for migrants into Germany, delivery work for platforms like Rando is a convenient point of entry into the German job market. The German language which is usually a significant barrier to entry, is not required. Nor do you need any additional educational credentials. You're listening to the Delivery Charge podcast. Delivery Charge podcast is supported by the MS Marion R. Tagore International Center of Advanced Studies Metamorphoses of the Political, or ICASMP, which is an Indo German research collaboration of six Indian and German institutions funded by the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research. My name is Arju John, and I'm the founder of Nagric Open Civic Learning, a project that creates open source online learning materials about civic and political participation. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can visit these platforms and search for the Delivery Charge podcast. If you subscribe to the feed, you will then be notified when a new episode is released. Now, platform companies argue that flexible work on their platforms is an easier point of entry into the job market for people who might otherwise struggle to meet the requirements of more conventional forms of work. In many countries, platform work is gig work. The term gig work refers to work provided on demand. The worker is paid for completing a set of defined tasks. In such cases, the worker is not an employee, but a self-employed independent contractor. And as a consequence of this classification, the worker is ineligible for many of the protections and welfare benefits that are available to employees. This is the norm in several countries. It is a model of work that allows companies to quickly increase and reduce their labor costs in response to market conditions. Platform delivery businesses also go through cycles of high and low demand for their services. If platform workers are not employees, labor laws that offer protection against job loss or a reduction in their earnings do not apply. People may want groceries and food delivered to their doorsteps when it is too hot or too cold to go outside, but may not want to pay the additional cost during periods of moderate weather. For delivery businesses, reducing labor costs during periods of low demand is one route to profitability. This is the other side of the notion of flexible employment. When platform companies talk about flexibility, they highlight a worker's control over working time. What they don't often mention is the company's control over labour costs. You're listening to the Delivery Charge podcast. We learnt earlier in this episode that Mohammed Arif was not an independent contractor at Lieferando. In fact, he was an employee with what is known in Germany
0: as an unbefristed or unlimited job contract. Uh, कुछ यूनियंस वगैरह से जब मुलाकात हुई तो मुझे पता चला और लॉहर से भी पता चला कि कुछ कंपनीज जब आपको उनको काम जो है ना जब उनके काम कम हो जाता है और उनके वर्कर्स ज्यादा हो जाते हैं जिसको हम में रिसेशन कहते हैं तो एक कंपनी होता है अभी थोड़ा से I learned this later, after I had won the case and after, and after I had met some unions in the lawyer. No number of, of workers in a company is in excess of the requirements. They try to let go of some of them. मैं, मैं I was one of those workers. This happened even though I had completed one year of work. About six months, work slowed down considerably to perhaps one order, order every hour. I was worried because at Leferando you are compensated according to the number of orders you deliver. You get a bonus for each order over the hundred. तो ये दोनों फायदा ही होता है लेकिन उस वक्त काम बहुत ठंडा था और मेरे साथ जो है ना कई मेरे ख्याल में 100s में जो है वो काफी ये आए थे तो मुझे तो इतना अंदाजा नहीं हुआ और मैंने मुझे ये भी नहीं था कि मैं
1: दोबारा
0: उन्होंने मुझे, uh, uh, मुझे एक Ke just fire. Pehle aapne off kar diya, ya it was not as if I was missing a shift without a job. I was then fired and asked to leave. I was
1: feeling really
0: guilty. It was not as if it was a big company where I badly wanted to stay and work, wo but uh, it did not feel good to be fired. आपकी गाड़ी खराब है मैंने बता you have अगर क्रंक है तो you बता दिया तो उसके you मुझे to खास रीजन पता you चला to तो उन्होंने that you किया to उन्होंने कहा आप अपना सामान वहाँ tell me मुझे बड़ा गिल्ट to हो रहा that you have to था कंपनी that बड़ी नहीं है कि उसके लिए ओ यार, कोई According to मुझे Arif, the termination of his employment at
2: कंपनी में was part of the company's response to adverse market conditions. His unbefristed job contract was supposed to offer him safety and predictability. But the company wanted to reduce its labor costs. We will come back to Mohamed Aarif Khan a bit later in this episode. You're listening to Delivery Charge, a podcast about organizing and mobilizing among platform-based delivery workers. In previous episodes of this podcast, we learned about the campaigns to establish works councils at platform-based delivery companies in Berlin. Under German law, a Works Council or Betriebsrat can be set up within companies if a certain number of workers want that there be a Works Council. The function of Works Councils or Betriebsrats in the German system of labor regulation is to ensure that some of the key decisions at the workplace are not taken by the employer alone, but also involve representatives of the workforce. We also know that, unlike unions, works councils are expected to have a relationship of cooperation with the employers. They can reach agreements with the company management on issues such as employment security, the organization of working time, and the rules on working from home. In these episodes, we also discuss the law and the procedure for setting up of these bodies. One key step in the procedure is an election. We learned in the second episode that Moritz, who we heard from earlier in this episode, was a candidate in the elections held over seven days, starting on August 2nd, 2022, to constitute a Betriebsrat for Lieferando in Berlin.
4: You know, we are not working in a factory or an office. There's not this one place where everybody knows each other and it's not, you know, like a company, let's say up to 1,000 workers or 500 workers, you can actually know everyone. No, we have large numbers, heavily decentralized, heavily isolated. And this has to have an impact on how we do this election. And like, maybe in this ideal case of being a factory worker, one huge factory, everybody knows each other, nothing changes over years. Yeah, you can do it with three people, six weeks, no problem. Because everything, you know, is already there. You need a little bit of legal knowledge and stuff. You can do it in the six weeks, but the moment you go away from this one factory, everybody knows each other model. Um, This should have an impact on how many workers are doing this and how much time they need.
2: The members of a Vetripsrat could do Vetripsrat work during their working hours and their employment was protected under law. When we heard from him in a previous episode of this podcast, Mohr had explained why he and his colleagues at the Lieferando Workers' Collective had tried to establish a Betriebsrat at Lieferando. For him, the German Labour Law, through the Betriebsverfassungsgazettes or the Works Constitution Act, provided such a device so that the workers could meet in groups and discuss their issues without worrying about the time they needed to take off from paid work to be able to do it, or about any retaliation from the company. This would provide a measure of stability in the lives of activist workers. We can contrast Moore's pursuit of stability with the flexibility sought by platform companies in their labour costs. The lives of delivery workers are especially unstable because they are among the 46% of employees in Germany who are not covered by collective bargaining agreements. These are agreements negotiated by mainstream German unions with the German employers and are the primary method of fixing wages and conditions of work in the country. So far, there are no such agreements in platform delivery work in Germany. They exist neither in the delivery of prepared food nor in the delivery of groceries. In the elections of August 2022, a list of candidates from the Lieferando Workers' Collective contested against a list of candidates called Drivers and Riders Unite. This list was put forward by the NGG or Gewerkschaft Nerum Genus gaststatten which translates to the Food, Beverages and Catering Union. The NGG is one of the eight unions that are part of the DGB, the Deutsche Gewerkschaftsbund, or the German Trade Union Confederation, which is the national trade union confederation for Germany that is affiliated with the International Trade Union Confederation. In short, the Drivers and Riders Unite list was put forward by a trade union from the mainstream of German trade unions.
4: You know, we have been actors for years, some of us. Not always, actually, for some of workers' collectives, in were other names and groups, but we have been doing this stuff for years. Every week in the last more than a year, half year, we met. Every Friday, we had a social meeting. Every second Friday in a month, a bigger social meeting. We gave advice to workers. We helped a lot of workers. You know, An example, there's this one worker who is an NGG member himself. He's a member of this union and i was at court with this worker because he got terminated uh, his uh, contract expired um, but in this time we got unlimited contacts so we went to court to get him an unlimited contact uh, contract and uh, in this election now he was approached out of nowhere by the ngg getting called that hey we need you and uh, he was like Ooh, who are you don't know you like i know i'm an ngg member but who are you it was a third uh, NGG secretary that I experienced here, union secretary, here in Berlin um, with large gaps in between. So it uh, was a legit question. Who are you actually? <laughs> From,
3: yeah,
4: as well. But he knew me for years and we were together at court and he said, I trust you. Uh, so, and he uh, became a candidate of all this. Um, so this is like, you know, it's about practicing and preaching. So I see um, a lot of promises. So practice and promise, Um, a lot of promises from the union side. Why? Well, it's naturally they haven't been active so much. So they have to promise stuff. But we said, look, this is what we have been doing the last years. We continue to keep doing. We are just now, if um, every one of us who ends up in the council can do part of this stuff, uh, getting paid, the legal advice is standard. You know, we have been doing workers' council work for years. Now we do it officially. and this is, I think, a very strong and um, uh, transparent and, like, uh, position where I say, uh, I don't have to promise anything, we have been sitting together, you know what I'm doing. So, just give me the chance to get paid for it and protected. It because it's risky for me uh, to talk to you, to help you. Yeah. So, this practice and promise was a huge difference that I think had a huge impact on these workers. And, was actually uh, attacked um, by the union as well because there were like some overlapping stuff where we were accused of um, taking the credit uh, or not giving the credit to to the union. But this is like a larger debate on neglecting works of the others or claiming uh, appropriating works. Because yeah, for sure the union—they're uh, like uh, stuff that uh, we are doing union work, so it's normal that. The stuff that the union is doing is overlapping with our stuff. But this does not mean that either of us only can claim to have done this. Um, So if some workers in another city, or there were some workers in another city who made a lawsuit to get uh, phones, uh, paid and bikes, that was the outcome of the lawsuit. And yeah, we were struggling here in Berlin for this as well for years. And actually here in Berlin, the union was the obstacle. But in other cities, there were other people, other structures. And this again, we obviously working better together. And there the workers uh, backed by the union made achievements. Here again, the uh, union was rather an obstacle.
2: The electoral contest for seats on the Lieferando Betriebsrat for Berlin, highlighted the dual system of worker representation in Germany's labour law. As we noted previously, workers in Germany are represented in one of two ways, through unions and through works councils. It is a point we have come across before on this podcast and to help us understand it better, we turn once again to Dr. Eva Cocker. Dr. Cocker Is a professor of law at the Center for Interdisciplinary Labor Law Studies at the European University in Frankfurt Oder.
5: Well, interestingly, when the Works Constitution Act was created first in 1952, um, the trade unions protested against it. So they had protest strikes against this act because they said, oh, it's a competition. Uh, We are uh, worker representatives and activist uh, employees um, who want to fight for their rights. They are our members. Um, And uh, this is a competition because uh, the Betriebser Works Council, they're elected. That's very regulated by the law. And um, uh, we don't know how this uh, will end up for us as trade unions. Um it did take some years, um, or 10, 20, 30 years, I don't know, depending on uh, the, uh, the the section and, and the um the area of work as well and the uh, establishment. But um now usually works council members are in close cooperation with trade unions. Most of them are trade union members as well. Uh, get advice from the trade unions and the trade unions have also rights um, of advice, uh, giving advice to trade union members. So um, there is a close cooperation. The law makes a very strict um, division. The law says you are either working in your capacity as a trade union activist or you are working in your capacity as a works council member. Either you are working in conflict situations as a trade unionist, or you are working in a cooperative environment, which is the Works Constitution Act. And that's sometimes very difficult uh, for the activists um, because um, the uh, two channels of representation are so difficult in culturally um, and uh, in procedure. um, The one is very free and uh, trade union activity uh, governed by what the trade union decides for itself. And the Works Council has to act according to those rules that the law establishes. So that's a a very complicated issue. But um, if you use this well, um, it can go hand in hand. Uh, trade union, for example, could um, uh, ask for a collective agreement in some areas and then you use a trade union action and the Betriebsrat could then use the instrument this institution has to further similar interests, for example.
2: In the third episode of the Delivery Charge podcast, titled For Gettier About Co-Determination, we learned from Ronnie about the attempt made at Gettier to subvert the Betriebs for A new entrant into the Berlin market, Gettier was the largest and oldest of all the companies in the city's quick commerce segment. In April 2022, Ronnie, a delivery worker with Gettier at that time, became aware of a call for a general assembly to be held on May 2nd to elect a Wahlverstand or Electoral Council. This, as you may know, is the first step required by the Betriebsverse gazettes to elect a Betriebsrat. The call had not come from a rider or picker, but from someone who was part of Gettier's management. Why do you need a workers'
6: council? Why do you need a workers' council? Workers to for the workers having a legal right to take their problems to the management. So, how is it logical that, uh, like, it is clearly mentioned in Betriev, Vasun's case as well, like, uh, anyone in a hiring and firing uh, capacity cannot be a a workers council member uh, or an electoral council member. They cannot even uh, start a workers council because that is, workers council is to protect workers from the repressions of uh, uh, the management or the company. So, uh this is uh, uh, it was not a suspicion it was it is very evident that okay this was kind of like a yellow workers council which they want to elect that's exactly what happened as well that's where uh i'm coming uh, i'm coming to it as well i honestly don't understand hey the company cannot start a workers council why don't you understand so the company itself is saying so they these people these people in their individual capacity they are speaking that, hey, we, for our business model, okay, basically, workers' council is to protect the workers. So, uh, I don't understand why the courts don't understand the fact that, uh, okay, the comp- the people, they are passively saying that, hey, we are management supportive. We are, mm, uh, like, we care about the company's uh, what do you call that, Uh, company's business model, more than the uh, workers' uh, safety or the law. Yeah, it is true that, uh, like in British philosophy, it also says that, um, like, the workers' council is supposed to work hand-in-hand with, uh, like, uh, constructively uh, with the uh, company. Yeah, that is true. We can definitely work, but, uh, see, the majority of workers are riders and pickers. And... Trust me, there is uh, not even a, a single what you call that, uh, like uh, the the present workers council in uh, 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 present workers council in uh, Gettier has uh, regional
2: managers, area managers in it. You're listening to Ronnie on the fifth episode of the Delivery Charge Podcast. In the third episode, we covered Ronnie's experiences of resisting the installation of a management-friendly works council at Gettier, He was eventually fired from that company. At around the same time, Rob was organizing at Flink for the establishment of a Betriebsrat for Berlin at that company.
3: The very first warehouse we went to, um, there was a shift lead there who was saying, like, I can't let you put anything up on the wall. And I'm like, "It's we have to, it's by German law. And then he said, okay, but well, you have to talk to my manager. And it's actually my former manager who had moved warehouses. So I talked to him on the phone and I explained it. And he was like, it was early in the morning. It sounded like, it sounded like he just woke up. <laughs> so I was like, I'm sorry. It's so early. Really, we just have to do this. And, if, and he's, he's a, a German guy. So he knew what the uh, Petit was. Um, but in general, we could go in fairly easily to all the all the warehouses. That changed over time as there was like a, a memo sent out about this is what, this is what's going on. In general, though, and this is definitely, I always have to to qualify. I'm not saying that this is Flink's strategy. I'm saying this happens a lot at Flink, where they don't have to say don't come in. They don't have to say no. You're not allowed to come in. Usually, they'd say okay, you can talk to people, but don't stop anyone from working. Don't get in anyone's way, um, which I understand. But if the manager's there at some point, the like. The, the message went around um, and it was like, okay, the manager's here and you're standing right here and I know that they are really angry about you and so I don't want to be seen talking to you. And I get that too, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not here to get anyone in trouble. And so that, that was the most frustrating part because you, um, you know a bit about Liferando and, and how the organizing worked. And there's pros and cons to each. Like someone at Leaf Rondo might say, oh, it's so, it's so great that there's a warehouse because everyone's in the same place and you can really, like, you can talk to so many people. But then people might feel watched. People do feel watched. And there's a, I've, I've been in warehouses when the manager shows up and leaves and even the regional manager shows up and leaves. And it's just a marked difference, you know, between the, like, tension and people are more relaxed. And people still get their work done, but it's like a, it's, it's an added it's definitely an added tension, especially anything organizing related. But when I look back uh, now on, on that time, to me, it just makes sense that this is how, there's nothing particularly special about these companies, but somehow the, let's say the, the broadly uh, migrant community in Berlin is very much, everyone knows someone who's at Gorillaz or Flink, and something similar can be said about Amazon and Tesla. And just, you don't have to be looking for it, but in in a very short period of time, you will come across somebody who is working at one of these companies, maybe even uh, organizing at one of these companies. And a lot of the organizing, um, our friend Mo I referred to it once as group-based organizing. A lot of it is taking care of the group of organizers so that they can just get their work done. They, they, they're amazing people with amazing drive and ideas and energy, but there's just so many things that come along with working at a minimum wage job, um, living in a country that, uh, that you're not from, and all the other responsibilities that people have in life. Um, a lot of organizing is just taking care that, that we can work together, that people are supported and empowered to, to do the things they want to do. And somehow that makes sense that um, you know, you, people already form social groups, networks um, of, of friends, whether it's from uh, people from the same country, whether it's a study program, any, uh, things like that. And it only makes sense that people can kind of get involved in organizing. It's like a, a natural um, maybe outgrowth of that, because it's a very logical thing where, okay, so-and-so might refer someone to a job because, oh, you're looking for a job, I can refer you here. Of course, there's a system at Flink where everyone can get uh, referral bonuses. And taking the next step of organizing or starting a council is just very logical. Okay, well, my my friend, we took this job, but it's very insecure. So what steps can we take to make it secure for us and people around us?
2: You're listening to Rob on the Delivery Charge podcast. To learn more about the campaign conducted by Rob and his colleagues at the Flink Workers' Collective to establish a Betriebsrat, including the several legal hurdles that they faced on the way, please listen to the second and third episodes. This brief recap of the events at Getir and Flink during 2022 it is important to understand the backdrop in which the elections at Lieferando took place in August of 2022. As Mo and his colleagues at the Lieferando Workers' Collective were campaigning for seats on the Lieferando Betriebsrat, it was quite clear that the Betriebsrat at Gettier would be a management-friendly one and that the Flink Workers' Collective would have to overcome several hurdles before there could be a Betriebsrat at the company. The elections were held over seven days at different polling booths spread across the city. On August 11th, the Electoral Council returned its verdict. 131 votes to the Leafrando Workers' Collective list and 68 votes to the NGG list. The newly formed Betriebsrat would have 17 members. 11 of them would be from the list of candidates put forward by the Leafrando Workers' Collective. As you know, Mo was one of them.
4: For me, like even I have several answers but one point is for me a proof of concept that uh, we can actually do this um, like who is we um, pe- workers uh, in a sector that was believed and still is believed by many and for a long time as unorganizable like a precarious worker uh, migrant workers um, workers in the gig platform economy um, so, yeah, it's like connected to poverty as well, but rather called precarious work. Um, and yeah, considered to be not, like unions had no, no hold, no grip um, to, to start um, a pushback uh, for in the labor struggle against this, um, like it's, I would say it's not even new, it's like refurbished or like a a form of capitalism that existed um, more than a hundred years ago and it's now coming again, Uh, like, you know, like day labor, Um, we had this and it was fought by, by workers. Um, but now it's coming again under this disguise of digital, like uh, in its, we can say in its digital form. But even this is not precise because we can ask ourselves what is actually digital in our, like in the end, it's day labor, you know. And why is it such a big deal that if an app tells me uh, where to, to work today, or if a human comes to this place and, you know, picks up five people and say you work on my field. So, where's the, I don't, yeah. So, I I don't see like the digital part being such a major role. Yeah, but um, I would say now, and it's not only us, but all the workers that uh, came before us and organized in this sector. um, But we're now, I think we have quite a good source of, credible source of um, proof of concept that it's working and we can do this.
2: Nearly a month after Mo was elected to the Lieferando Works Council, Rob was elected to be part of the Electoral Council at Flink. The purpose of the Electoral Council was to conduct the elections to constitute a Works Council for Berlin at the company. The events at the election to form the Electoral Council remained disputed, and this controversy became the basis for the company placing even more legal hurdles before Rob and his colleagues. So. As August came around, Mo and his colleagues were reflecting on what their success at the Leaf Rondo Works Council elections meant for worker organising among the city's platform delivery workers. But Rob and his colleagues at Flink were faced with even more hurdles as the company questioned the legitimacy of the electoral council that was elected.
3: Well, there's uncertainty now because, and this is the, the norm for these companies, they have not given us an office, they have not given us a way to contact all the employees, they have not given us these basically basic things that go along with being a council because they're gonna drag their feet as long as possible and they'd rather spend the time and money in court than, than dealing with it um, directly. So there's, that makes things a little fuzzy, but on the other hand, the road forward looks like a lot of um, conversations with, with warehouse people. And that might take place more outside of work, that might take place uh, in warehouses, but I'm very happy that we have uh, a larger group to do it now. Um, everyone on the, um, in, although people have been fired, multiple people on the, the the council have been fired or have been told they will be fired. Um, in, in, in principle, everyone on the council has uh, this extra level of termination protection. and. I think we all see that as a like a privilege to use, to go out of our way, to help people with issues, to shed light on the practices that uh, Flink and these other companies do, to fire people, to really try to find some legal loophole to get rid of people. And the more push, the the, the we, we need to make it hard, again, if it's all down to an app, if it's just up to what the app decrees, and if you're locked out of your app, you're done. We just need to make it, Uh, we basically can't let Flink get away with that. We have to try to do something so that Flink doesn't pursue this line against people. And that's very hard to do with just the legal system directly. The the strongest way to do it is with a, like, informed and robust, organized workplace. And that's everyone knowing their rights, that's everyone willing to, like, if one person tells a manager, hey, why are you doing this? If, If 15 people tell the manager, the manager might th- then then the manager might be like hey really <laughs> like the the whole the whole warehouse is, it knows what's going on and maybe we need to do something about it or like maybe maybe we can't actually fire this person with this with this loophole we, we want to do i don't know what those specifics look like i'm new to organizing i'm new to all of this but i i really love the um i really love talking to people i really love the flink people and the grillless people like at the end of the day it's just about Getting to know people, creating a, a network, um, f- building trust, and I don't know. The rest will take care of itself after that. So a lot of conversations planned, and hopefully some more infrastructure in the future. But we can't. Uh, we, we we might be waiting a little bit for that.
4: The other thing is like the quite simple thing is we established a workers' council at uh, a big major company in Germany and in Berlin. When we started, we had more than 2,000 uh, workers. And now it's part of basically the union busting. Um, we are down to 1,400. There's a new the, like, store or company opening. And uh, so the company is doing structural union busting as well. as like personal union busting. Um, but still, um, this group of people um, was working hard for... More than half a year to um, make this uh, election possible for workers, and we had a. I think it's a big achievement as well that we had 200 people who voted. Um, because, like in total numbers, this is the biggest um, turnout or attendance rate um, at an election at this company. Um, and in relative numbers, we are like at around 15 percent. Mm, so this is an achievement as well for such a big you know city um, with so much turnover in the workers and so isolated. Basically every district uh, would be a company of its own in smaller cities. So we are so widespread and still um, we, we achieved to um, get so many workers involved. Um, yeah, and this would be like the third main point that I think is an achievement that we saw for the first time in Berlin not only active people being active, but um, like saw I don't know how many like in numbers, but um, inactive people um, getting activated, um, disengaged, engaging. Um, and neutral people becoming supporters. Um, and for years, this was very hard and very low in, uh, in numbers. But with this election, we have to reflect if it's this kind of participation, you know, it's no, not a protest, it's not a, like a legal action so much, uh, but uh, it's legal as well, but it's a rather a basic form of democracy um, in So, And I don't know if, how much. It's related to this, but this form of participation um, was able to um, engage a lot of workers. And not only this, this is like for me a point as well, um, but um, even so many workers are outside of the company. So, like so many other delivery companies um, helping and supporting this and being interested in that this election is a success and that there is a workers' council. This was for me uh, amazing and a very good experience.
3: I forget. If, I forget if it was during the sim during the first meeting or before or after the first meeting. It may have been immediately after where um, I spoke to my manager, um, who is no longer the manager, and she and I said something like, "You know, I'm elected to this, and so for some work times and during my shifts, I will have to leave for meetings and stuff." And she said. But the but the company isn't recognizing the election because it was illegal, <laughs> and I said, um, I don't I don't think that's the case. But neither of us are lawyers, so there's no real reason to to uh, continue with this conversation. I'm just trying to explain that this that this thing is happening. Um, so that was the case from from very early on. Um, I had a lot of colleagues um, very helpfully text me and call me and say things like. Hey, the company's about to sue you, um, hey, so-and-so is asking about uh, what happened at the assembly. Um, they often would say individual um, um, flink workers by name, saying that they are going to sue me. And I would tell them, uh, they're not a lawyer, <laughs> they're not suing us, they're also just flink workers. If anything is happening, and it is coming from, from flink management. Um, so it w- that was the case from, from the very beginning, from the day after the assembly quite understandably it took me a long time to figure out all this legal stuff Um, and I wasn't even elected to anything (laughs) so I can understand it was uh, um, a bit overwhelming and confusing for for these people and a lot of people didn't know what's the next step what do we do I think a lot of the questions revolved around um, legitimacy like we did this we had this election so what do we do now we need to we need to talk with with the company we need to be able to the company needs to inform all of our co-workers that this has happened and that these are our names and that this is how you can contact us There was this desire to do things right um, and i think we certainly strove to do that um, but there was very little um receptiveness <laughs> to that on the on the part of the, of the company it wasn't just that there is a um but you we don't um you did this, this, and this wrong, and so that's why we're not communicating with you. I believe, as I understand, the, the legal argument was there is no Wachverstand. I received a, a, a letter to my address um, with my name and address and then the die sogenannte Wachverstand, <laughs> the, the so-called uh, electoral board. Um, so Flink, um, the I should say the company, treated us as if we had maybe got some crazy idea in our head, like something had happened and we think that there is a stand, but just to correct things, there is no Wahlvorstand. And the argument was that the assembly was null and void for for multiple reasons. Um, and then this was a very, very long lawsuit. Um, just the, the argument itself, I think 160 pages with many, many affidavits and photos and all sorts of things. And I have to say a lot of personal information, um, not just from about me, but um, about volunteers um, who were there on the day of and yeah, I know, for example, my address was, uh, my private address was included in this lawsuit and it was sent uh, to multiple journalists freely without any of my, um, without my knowledge or, <laughs> or, or consent. It was, as I understand, it was directed at, um, I was the, the chairperson and so it was, they had my name as the you know, we don't have an office, of course, an office needs to be provided to a Wavvorstand from the company in order to do its work. So it didn't have an address, so it was sent to my, my personal address. Um, and it was directed to the members of the Wavvorstand, if I remember correctly, to basically cease and desist acting like a Wavvorstand. But the words or <laughs> the, 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 the meetings, the, the goings-on of the Wavvorstand were never talked about, just the assembly was talked about. And of course, the majority of the people uh, elected to the Wahlvorstand had nothing to do with the assembly. They were not members, they they were not inviters, they just showed up on the day of the assembly like any uh, Flink worker and participated. So it it was caught in a bit of a a confusing situation.
2: As we noted before, Flink had based its refusal to recognize the Wahlvorstand on the supposed illegitimacy of the elections that were conducted to elect the Wahlvorstand, the dispute over those elections have striking parallels with the dispute over the elections to establish a Wahlvorstand to conduct elections to establish a Betriebsrat at Gorillas, events that we covered in the first episode of this podcast.
3: There were several arguments made that it was not, uh, it does not resemble a democratic election. The arguments made for this were that um, um, there was selective um, processing of people at the door, which was that, um, um, for example, uh, I'm not letting you in, I'll only let you in if you say you vote for my friend. There was argument that the assembly had ended before the votes were made, which is not clear at all. (laughs) It it says that I said the assembly is over, you can go home now, uh, which I never said. (laughs) And I recall um, some arguments about the, um, that the votes were improperly handled, um, that um, people who were not flink employees were the ones counting the ballots, um, which is also not true. Um, in general, it's, I, I have not looked at the lawsuit for a while. In general, uh, the repeated uh, statements over and over and over again were that um, this is a group of radical anarchists who seek to undermine German labor law, have no respect for German labor law, and you can see this, that this is not anything resembling a, a legal assembly. Um, of course, I think that that is a um, very absurd um, characterization, but this is not uh, this is not a courtroom.
2: <laughs> Earlier in this episode and in previous episodes of this podcast, we had noted that by using the Betriebs for Gazettes worker activists like Mo and Rob were pursuing stability in the lives of worker activists. To them, the law had made a promise, a promise of paid time for organizing work and protection against termination for workers who participated in the procedure to establish a betriebsrat. Following the Flink company's non-recognition of the election conducted in September of 2022 to constitute an Electoral Council, that promise has rung hollow. Um,
3: So these two things, the termination protection and pay time to do your work, were both denied from Flink from the very beginning of the electoral board of the Wahlvorstand. And I think that there was no way, these things that are supposed to be protected in German labor law were not recognized in any way. And because it's, we were simply asking for the law to be applied, when the law was not applied in the way that we expected it to be, um, we felt a bit helpless. Um, there was really nowhere to go. Um, you asked about um, what happened with the with the lawsuit. So by the time that the we had our first court case, I believe it was November 14th, November 15th, something like that. So just over two months after the assembly, um, a few things had happened. Two members of the Wawfostand had been fired. Now, usually a member of the has protection from termination, and they have the strongest termination protection of anything involved in the whole election process, the inviters, the candidates after the, the the election happens, et cetera, et cetera. The actual members of the council should have the strongest level of protection. And two members of our council were fired um, without any recourse to this, without any um, seeking approval from a judge in order to, to um, carry out this termination. And the reason was the company said that there was no Wahlverstand. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, no Wahlverstand exists. I know you're saying you're Wahlverstand, but please cease and desist acting like a Wahlverstand. And if we sought to clarify this, to get someone's jobs back, to get them shifts so that they can get paid, we'd have to go through, the, through this whole long lawsuit first, which can take a very long time. It takes a very long time in general. And there are always methods to appeal and to drag things out and to make things um, take longer. That's a very easy button <laughs> to push uh, in, in German law. So we do not have proper termination protection. On the second point, uh, paid time to do our work. We um, wrote from the very beginning. I, I mentioned that I spoke to my manager trying to say how how do we arrange this system. At least a couple of our meetings were were added into my uh, into my Quinix into the app where you where you record your shifts. And everyone had different experiences because everyone was talking to different managers, and there was clearly no system in place for how to um, um, deal with the, the paid council time. But some point in October, around the same time the lawsuit came, there was a um, a letter from the from the CEO of our company, um, from the expansion company, saying that um, if you claim to do council time, you have to tell us three days in advance, but this will not be paid. You can't claim, we're not paying for any of your council time, any of the work you claim to be doing council work. Um, What we had begun doing, which was the only feasible way, in addition to alert, telling our managers, telling our supervisors, the shift leads at the warehouse, that we were doing council work, we would go and punch in (laughs) into the system because that was the only only way to log yourself into the system and get paid and then go to our meeting then when when the meeting was over you could go back punch or punch out if your shift is over or then continue on doing deliveries whatever the case may be Um, this was at first um our meetings were simply not recognized there was not we'd say hey we met from this point to this point we emailed flink we said we were meeting these are the people who participated in the meeting None of this was acknowledged. When we would punch in ourselves and then go to the meeting in the, at the end of October, this time was subsequently deducted from our app. So I'm not sure who did it or how it was done, but they, the, I guess they can see, well, you were punched in from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m., but 3 p.m. to 6.30, you were doing no deliveries, so we'll just not pay for this, t- this amount of time. And this was done to everybody on the council. And (laughs) in in this case, we're looking at a situation where, okay, I don't control the app. I can sue um, that there's missing payment, and some council members did sue. But again, we're looking at a timeline of four to six months to get this resolved. And we were in a situation where everything (laughs) that we we, we sought to do, which was the same as before, we were trying to get in, in touch with our colleagues, we're trying to hear people's problems, we're trying to be able to talk with people and have people feel represented from an independent um, council elected by their colleagues. And we were simply unable to have our jobs protected or to be paid for this work, to to do this work during our shift, during our working time. And by the time the lawsuit came on the 15th, both of these were already, we we were staring at a situation where neither of these um, rights were, We were able to exercise. And we were looking at several months in advance where we would continue to be unable to exercise these rights. Two people had already been fired, as I mentioned, and several others um, had grown very frustrated, partly because we were not really able to do much over the past two months. We wanted, we were designing um, posters to put up in every warehouse uh, explaining what happened and explaining the next steps and, and going around in consultation hours with people. And it's simply, it's very difficult to do these things when everyone's trying to do it in their free time. Everyone feels extra levels of stress because of the situation. Um, and yeah, I should, I should wrap up. <laughs> on, the, on the 15th, we, uh, or I, we, we composed a statement and I, I read it in court that we were dissolving the stand and continuing... Through other means, specifically three of us—me and two others—we're going to um, petition the court to appoint a uh instead. And the reason we did this um, is, even though it would take our um, our lawyer estimated another year, perhaps, was because okay, we we had an assembly. Uh, the company thinks it's illegitimate, but. We, we, we just want to carry on with the work. This is not the final election. We will have an election. We will tell everyone what's involved. We will encourage everyone to be candidates, but we can't even get to that point. All we want is a piece of paper from the court, which says, carry on, you can, you can do this next step. And we figured that the company cannot dispute a piece of paper from the court. And so that's why we took a very long <laughs> detour, very long delay, um, um, starting in November of last year.
2: The petition filed by Rob and two of his colleagues to the Labour Court to appoint a Walforstern should under law have given them protection against the termination of their employment. But that was not to be.
3: Just, just, just to be clear, the, the petitioners are have the same um, uh, claim to paid time to do council work as inviters. You're not a council, so you can't do council work. Yes, people are always texting me, asking what's going on with this. Hey, I got this letter from (laughs) Flink. What does it say? My manager's doing this. What do you think? So I I end up doing a lot of work, but it's not formal council work. Um, so we, we don't have paid time to, to do this work. And we understood that when we took the step. The reason we did it again is because we thought it was the surest way to move forward with the elections and because it still had a level of termination protection. It is the same termination protection that you have as inviters to an assembly. And I'm, I was also an inviter to the assembly. But um, Raoul, one of the three uh, petitioners, was fired. The reason he was fired um, was, according to Flink, was because of a criminal charge of Verleumdung so, or slander And what they say in German is üble Nachrede, which is malicious gossip. (laughs) Um, But they're both related to slander, uh, libel, these kinds of things. Um, And they stem from an interview Raoul gave to Tatz describing our work conditions. I don't have to go into the specifics, but it's publicly, (laughs) both both the original Tatz article and articles written about Raoul's first case are publicly available, so people can feel free to read those details. what i want to explain now is how somebody can be fired (laughs) when they have termination protection and the reason Raul was fired is because it was an extraordinary firing Um, this means that well first of all i should say when i referred to this um, that only if you're on the council do you have the um, strongest level of protection all those other levels of involvement in the process if you're a candidate um, who, did, who isn't elected? If you're a petitioner, if you're an inviter, you have firing protection from ordinary firing, but not from extraordinary firings. And so, you can be fired. And the way it works, it's, <laughs> the way it works practically, is you your uh, app is blocked. You can't log in anymore. You're considered fired from the fired by the company. If you want to deal with it, if you like, the company has rendered a decision; you are fired. If you want to uh, <laughs> claim anything against this, you have to go to court, and going to court involves maybe two months until the conciliation hearing, and then maybe another two months or three months until the first um, the first ruling hearing, where the judge will make a ruling. So we're looking at about five months, and if you were, if the judge decides in five months you know, actually, there was no reason to do an extraordinary firing. Why did you do that? Then you can get your job back. But there's a long five-month process where you're not paid, you're not, you don't get any information, um, etc. And so it creates a very frustrating situation where we don't practically have termination protection if a company can fire you extraordinarily. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't understand how all this works with extraordinary firing. I can say personally, as somebody who has seen many firing letters at Flink based on colleagues I know who are friends who've talked to me and just people who contact me, every single firing letter I have seen since about June of last year is an extraordinary firing. The lawyers I talk to and just legal people in general are often a bit perplexed by this because they say, well, extraordinary firing, you need an extraordinary reason. The example I'm usually given is that you physically threaten somebody in the warehouse, you know, maybe you brought a knife. You pushed your manager. You got in his face and screamed. And the, the the logic behind extraordinary firing is you need to leave now, so get out. We can't go through the usual process of okay, you have one month notice period, etc., because it's a imminent threat. Um, I've seen extraordinary firings for um, three no shows, which is very typical. Three, you know, a miss shift without explaining why three strikes, and then they're able to fire you even if you're out of probation, and something like Raul's case. Um, I find it hard to believe that every firing that I've seen, and I don't always know the, the reason, of course I talk to somebody, but you know they just show me a piece of paper. On an extraordinary firing, they're not required to write the reason in the letter. So even though you're out of probation, there needs to be an important reason, and it says for an important reason, but it's not stated in the letter that you get, which is all in German, by the by.
2: You are listening to Rob on the Delivery Charge podcast. Rob is a member of the Flink Workers Collective, struggling today through the Labour Courts of Berlin to resist the extraordinary firings that have made it impossible to pursue the legitimate objective of co-determination at the company. We return now to Mohammad Arif Khan, who we met earlier in this episode. Not dissimilar to how the Betriebs for Fasung's Gazettes did not protect Rob adequately from an extraordinary firing, his unbefristed job contract could not protect Mohammed Arif Khan from being fired from Lieferando as part of the company's strategy to control labour costs during a period of
0: low demand. So, I felt to say that I am to that to that I am not to contact them. I am going to not going to
2: that I to that I I
0: मेरे अब में उस वक्त पांच छह बंदों के साथ ऐसा हुआ जो मुझे पता चला मुझे उसी वक्त वो बाद में मुझे पता चला कि 50s में थे बंदे तो उस वक्त ये भी था कि मेरा Unfall भी हुआ था एक्सीडेंट भी हुआ था एक्सीडेंट क्या हुआ था कि मैं एक ऑर्डर देके जैसे ही उतरा तो मेरा पांव जो है ना थोड़ा तो मेरा लेफ्ट साइड गा, गार था, था,
2: था।,
0: था मेरी शुरू से ही अच्छा फिर उसके बाद जो है ना मेरी ये जो एंकल में आ गया और और मैं इसी और ये मामला भी चल गया था तो मैं परेशान इसकी वजह से भी और उसकी वजह से भी बड़ा अजीब सा और डॉक्टर के पास जाके और डॉक्टर ने कहा एक हफ्ता छुट्टी मैं आपको मैं का नहीं नहीं दो दो दिन तीन दिन में कर लूंगा मैं भी नहीं ले रहा था ये नहीं ये मामला भी है। और मैं उसको लकिन Lekin, I wa- also had an accident. I was
1: returning after completing an order or and slipped and injured my
0: ankle. My doctor advised me a week of rest. I didn't take too many uh, days
1: off because of everything else that
0: was happened. I, I was also in, in danger of, of losing my, my paid leave for diya. the year. He said, leave the shoes, they will not give them, and he fired them. Then I said, how is this? Then, I started growing up in a quarter of a month he accident phone. I work council. For nearly a month and a half, I was stressed because of all and I received
1: a call from the works
0: council. He told me that, that
1: the works council has also received a letter regarding your firing. Uh, we haven't agreed to हम your
0: हम filing. they have gone ahead with our agreement. If you need
1: any help, you can
0: come to us. At first, I have no idea about this. I had बहरी. no clue about unions. have and letter. If you have any help, इस कंपनी का किनके work uh, workers के लिए वो unions, etc. Also, this was a Liferando's Works Council. When I contacted them, I came to know Mo, who was very helpful. after that, one of the finest, who even though helpful, कि को At the works council. They took up my case, filed the necessary form, and asked me if they could help me hire a lawyer. I just told them that uh, it does not feel good leaving a company like this. If uh, like the they
1: told me that if i won the case i could either receive money or get my job
0: back, I told, back. I told them, I, told them I, like yeah, I like this job so they referred me to a lawyer who got my documents in, in order. in dono se to chalo yaar to लेकिन ये कि ऐसे नहीं जाना था। I
1: had to उन्होंने कहा कि बिकॉज माई हॉलीडेस बट आल्सो बिकॉज माय हेल्थ वाज नॉट
0: वेरी वकील वगैरह तो उनके पास जो है फिर हमने डॉक्यूमेंट्स वगैरह जमा करवाए ये वो और उस दौरान में मेरे पास वो भी आ गई थी क्या कहते हैं छुट्टियों का भी था और मेरी तबीयत भी ऐसी थी कि एक्सीडेंट के बाद मुझे कुछ अच्छा भी Input deke, ko and when m- I was t- there da, my wife's ma-t- health ma-t- was also ha. not very good ma-t-
1: so I told my lawyer ma-t- that ma-t- I could not be present on the ma-t- dates ma-t- of the ha-t- hearing ha-t- the lawyer ha-t- told ha-t- me that's not a problem
0: I just needed to give him authority he then fought the case on my behalf and won he did it okay and uh, we have won the case. Mohammed Araf Khan was able to retain his employment
2: at Lieferando because of co determination at work. The Betriebsrat had a right under law to be informed when the company decided to terminate a worker's employment. It then followed up on those terminations, got in touch with the workers facing termination and offered them legal assistance. The company had pursued flexibility in being able to reduce its labor costs to deal with a period of low demand. Muhammad Arif Khan had a so-called unbefristed contract, but that was not enough to protect his employment until the Betriebsrat got involved. More recently, I had a chance to have a closer look at this body in their office. Mo and his colleagues were conducting open office hours for workers who were parents.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was mainly about uh, sharing knowledge. Um, so, what I find interesting about it is that we, as a council, you know, we set this topic, and then we have the goal that you know we are prepared for it. So we accumulate uh, knowledge before on this topic. So we educate ourselves. Um, and what I like about this concept as well is that um, some we pick the topic, not completely randomly, but we uh, were looking at what are the issues in our group, what are the issues in the, amongst the workers in the company. Um, and some of um, the workers' council are parents, and workers are parents. So we had already knowledge in the council, and we had basically experts by themselves. Uh, this is why it was great that you know, one worker who already did a lot of the... Uh, he could just share his knowledge. Um, but everybody gets more knowledge and, um, it's, but, uh, and the knowledge is mainly shared directly from worker to worker. that's what I like. So we as councils we have the time to prepare so we can share knowledge. We have some people who know we know are experts, workers who can share knowledge. And we have anybody who is affected by this issue. So we have workers who are parents and who have experience. And, um, this is why as well the preparation should not be, so high you know we don't want to become experts but as uh, i was quite open about i don't know so much about this topic uh, but uh, we invited you to actually as well know from you know other workers and what are their experiences so it's i i hope it's you know not it's a few hierarchies to flatten hierarchies and make a direct exchange and appreciate workers as um engaged and enabled and, and uh, beings uh, that contribute themselves and not only you know we don't it's not a service by the council. Uh, the council um, has legal benefits that we are sharing. you know we can enable workers to come to these consultations during their work paid. work time paid. this is what the council the council is um, doing and uh, the council is paying us preparing all this. Uh, but um, we are not uh, besides this there's not uh, you know a service, of us, besides making it possible. Um, yeah, but as well as as usual in, in all these things, um, the, the actual goal is um, to bring workers together and engage workers and um, organize. So the hope is, you know, that we do these groups. And today, unfortunately, um, there were not so many workers from our company. Um, but the idea was to form a WhatsApp group as well and bring this worker together and have follow up meetings. And uh, as there is a shared issue uh, on, on the frame of this shared issue, bring the workers together over a long time and establish a group, now let's say of parents. Um, so they stick together, um, they continue with this process of sharing knowledge, helping each other, uh, but as well identifying with um, there's a common issue and uh, Organize along this issue. So um, before this meeting, there was, for example, an Arabic speaker speaking workers meeting, and uh, they are more showed up, and I have a good feeling that you know we um, we set up another date. We're going to meet again, um, and this is like a organizing concept behind it. To um, bring certain groups of workers together because i think um, there is a problem of small groups having to deal with large fragmented workforces and if i think it's uh, difficult uh, if you always try to address all the workers Um, the outcome uh, from my experience is smaller Uh, by addressing all workers all the time then targeting smaller groups of workers, you know, then more workers show up, more workers will stay engaged. Why? Because um, it's more relevant, you know, now we address parents, which is highly relevant for the parents, (laughs) Um, but if you would have addressed parents' issues in a large assembly, not so many people would be interested, Um, because it's a minority uh, amongst the workers. Um, And the same with uh, Arabic speakers, you know, uh, uh, it's beneficial they can speak Arabic. Unfortunately, I don't understand it, but um, they have something that brings them together, uh, which helps uh, creating a group. Yeah, and so this was the idea. So, how can we establish, how can we sound strange, but somehow break up the workforce, you know, like, uh, or organize along the divisions in the workforce? There's a funny aspect because normally, you know, we want to unite, um, but I think it's, It's interesting to first split things up and then bring workers together. Because from the get-go, from the start, all together, I see difficulties and I have seen it not working. I have hopes that with this intermediate step, we get it working.
2: As Mo said, the meeting was focused on the issues faced by Leif workers who were parents. There were three issues that were discussed among the workers and the members of the Leifrando Works Council. The first two were Elternzeit and Elterngeld. Elternzeit deals with the workers' legal eligibility for paid leave during and after pregnancy and childbirth. Elterngeld refers to the monetary support that the German state provides parents. The meeting saw an exchange of experiences regarding access to Elternzeit and Elterngeld. These aspects of labour law and the welfare state contribute to protecting a worker during periods in their lives outside of work that can be marked by a high level of instability and unpredictability. The third issue was the hot topic that we came across previously in this episode, that of shift planning. Workers who are new parents may find that their new childcare responsibilities often require some adjustments or, yes, that word again, flexibility to be made in relation to their working time more feels that the Betriebsrat has the power to help because it is a social question about the distribution of working time.
4: Uh, like there's one of the few strong or hard rights the council has is the paragraph 87 of the Works Constitution Act. Uh, which number is this two or three? Uh, where it says the uh, workers' council um, has co-determination rights in the allocation of the work time, not uh, in the total work time, but how this work time that is at disposal or question uh, is distributed. Why? This is uh, like a good thing how I uh, understood it after hearing it. Uh, because it's a social matter. It's an original social matter that there's work, work needs to be done, and all of us, we contribute different amounts of work time to do this, get this work done. And it's a social question how this no work is distributed amongst each other, which quite easily we'll find out if there's limited work and not as usual too much work, then the question arises uh, who gets work and often this uh, comes down to who gets paid as well. And uh, this is like one domain where um, it's still, you can say acknowledged or, Workers' councils are pushed into that whenever it's a social question, it's a social matter. This is an original and unquestioned right of the worker, and somehow you know. Um, I I, I see I can relate to this as well that you know, workers try to deal with their social conflicts, um, as workers. Um, so I can I can see it as well, but as well that you know, it's and uh, drags the council out of other spheres that might be interesting. Yeah, but maybe it's paragraph 87. Um, it's the right of the uh, Workers' Council to decide, uh, uh, co determine uh, on the distribution of the work time. And I think uh, this is another answer to your question. It's quite interesting as well because if we think about um, allocating and distributing or withdrawing work time, you know, it's uh, one of the. <laughs> the main powers of workers, uh, when we think about like large scale, um, what is it, industrial action, striking, this is about when to work and when not to work. So knowing how the humans and management work, knowing how the algorithm works and knowing that they want and then trying to propose that, oh yeah, maybe you can arrange to work a couple of hours here on this day and on that day. So there's not much of establishing something new or improving the situation or exercising the rights of the workers' council. Um, On this side, these companies, you know, they try to make sure that uh, they are structurally set up in a way um, that they limit uh, the ability of the workers' council to act uh, domestically. So, you know, they always say shift planning is done by uh, forecasting, by algorithms, by software. Software is done globally. There's no local change, changes possible to this software, so we cannot, you know, implement, for example, the laws or extra regulations or agreements with the council. This all has to be done manually. And manually, you know, there's always small staff in these companies. So they have, you know, a, a huge, massive workforce on the streets and small staff in, in the offices. And this staff is then always overwhelmed because what uh, possibly 1,500 manual adjustments you know, for so many workers, it's not possible. So uh, there's always a lot of limitations um, structurally and from the um, staff uh, speaking about this. So they, they try to maintain this story of, out of so many reasons, uh, co cool determination is not possible or um, respecting in the end uh, workers' needs is not possible. Um, thinking about social criteria when distributing shifts that's too much of work.
2: This sounds like uh, the betriebsrat is doing the job of the HR department. This is
4: partly when uh, I think um, it's one way to talk about you know this that you can say by law or by uh, the def- definition of the worker what the worker's council is about. Um, yeah, one uh, way to describe it is like, yeah, you're part of, you know, whenever there's social conflict possible, there's the institution of the Workers' Council who tries to solve it. Yeah. And for sure, out of other aspects as well, you know, when we think about hiring uh, and firing, what the council does is uh, telling um, the human resources department where they mis- make mistakes. So it's like a, you can say, uh, you improve the process of hiring, or it's like a quality. Uh, check up. checkup. Um, yeah, you could describe uh, a council like this, and a council can as well understand itself in fulfilling this. So uh, and this is as well a critique in you know that in the end uh, it reduces and somehow mediates conflicts amongst uh, workers with management.
2: The question of when to work and when not to work. If you go by the arguments made by platform companies, platforms have given workers more control over their working time. At Lieferando, there are three ways in which delivery workers' working time is organized. All three systems are practiced to some extent in various cities, but the one most prevalent outside of Berlin is called the Volt system because it was first used at Volt or the Open system. Here, The company forecasts how many shifts it requires over periods of time and makes them available to workers on the app. For example, the workers will see on the app that 200 shifts are required between 10 till 12 in the morning on Monday. Workers then have to pick up these shifts, meaning that they have to commit to working during those time slots. The opposite happens in the second system, known as the open system. This is the one that is most prevalent in Berlin. The workers communicate their availability to the company and then the company allocates them work shifts on that basis. Both these systems operate on a weekly basis and in both cases, there is a weekly deadline by which the worker has to either accept or offer shifts. Moe told me that the availability system appears more popular among workers right now because there are technical problems with the OpenShift system. The servers are often overwhelmed and workers are not able to accept open shifts. The third system, which was also existing, was that of fixed shift. This is like the classical model of work where a shift plan is arranged up front. Mo told me that this system operates informally and needs to be formalized and made more transparent. Members of the Betriebsrat had been aware of dissatisfaction among workers with these systems, often for completely opposite reasons. Realizing also that the consideration of the social profile of the workers in the allocation of work shifts, required longer-term planning, it has entered into conciliation proceedings with the company.
4: Yeah, uh, we are still on the way of finding a position. I think the easiest and what was from the beginning was, um, I had good uh, or the best experiences I made and feedback I got from workers if whatever option is out there is made available. So uh, the workers can choose. And maybe there's a standard, you know, there's like one shift system everybody's by standard gets into, but workers can choose um, to opt into another shift system. Um, It's basically the same with, um, do you use company equipment, uh, like let's say a company bike? Many workers uh, like uh, prefer to bike on their own, so if now somebody, an institution, a council, law, government says you have to use the company bike, you will make some workers unhappy. So the choice is always the best, so you can let workers choose. Uh, But by defining a standard, which normally is like company equipment, um, this should be the standard. You enable workers to not have to bring their own and to be compensated if they bring their own. So it's managed, like stuff has to be supplied by the company or compensated. you bring your own, and similar to the shift system. So, do you define a standard shift system, um, and then let workers uh, opt out into other shift systems. Now, there's one difficulty um, to mention is that co-determination takes time, and you know, if you want to bring it down to settling social potential conflicts, it takes time. And this is not in the a priority of the employer on the interest um and it's not um, something an algorithm can do um so this is like a challenge um as to how how or where to find a solution for this yeah. We are sitting together with, um, in the conciliation committee, which is like um, uh, a step to take when you uh, inside the company cannot come to terms and cannot find a solution. Um, so it escalated already, and I think this is something that stands for its <laughs> own. Uh, without going into details so much um, so obviously it's necessary that uh, some third party is mediating the process on trying to get uh, both parties um, not only on the table but to find a solution um, yeah, and I already like said before that there are a lot of difficulties um that uh, I think any council in, in the delivery industry is facing when you talk about algorithmic control and management of workers and um, companies that are acting globally and giving limited resources and interest and priority to local specificities, uh, specialities. So it's like there's um, between the company atmosphere or ideology and uh, the company structure, how the company structures and how the legal foundation of a workers' council, there are huge discrepancies. A local, compa- a local council and a global company.
2: Platform companies use words like flexibility and independence to communicate the idea that workers on their platforms have more control over their working time. Moore, who is keenly aware of the dissatisfaction with the various shift-planning systems, argues, however, that algorithms have centralised decision-making to the extent that the particularities of an individual worker's life, the fact, for example, that one is a parent with childcare responsibilities, are not considered in how working time is distributed among workers. To what extent, then, is platform work actually flexible? When shift-planning algorithms are global, to what extent is code determination on the question of working time possible through a local works council such as Lee Frandos Berlin Works Council? These are some questions I would like to leave you with as we come to the end of another episode of the Delivery Charge podcast. We learned about the attractions of a delivery worker job for Mohammed Arif Khan, but also of its precarity. We learned from Rob about how the campaign to establish a betriebsrat at Flink is being resisted by the company. Meanwhile, Lee Frandu's Betriebsrat is at work on several fronts. It was able to provide the legal assistance that saved Mohammed Arif's job, connect with workers who are parents, and open negotiations with the company about the naughty issues of shift planning. My thanks to Mo for talking to me about his work. Thanks to the ICAS for helping me make this podcast. My name is Aju John and thank you all for listening.